Dunks and Dimes is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NBA ticket prices tend to drop right before game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So the, the great thing about the GameTime app is that you can actually see what you're going to be looking at when you go to click on the tickets that you want to uh, consider purchasing. I know I live out in Seattle, Safeco Field. Some tickets, you know, some places where you sit, you get this awesome view of the field, but also the backdrop of the city. Some places where you sit, you get a look straight across at the roof and at the train tracks. So it's always good to be able to see exactly what you're seeing as opposed to just looking at some graphical representation. So that's a nice thing about the game time app. It's easy to just two clicks and you're, and you're there uh, to get your tickets and it's, you know, you can get all major sporting events, but you can also get music and theater tickets as well. So uh, head to the app store or play store now to download game time and score awesome deals on last minute tickets. And welcome to another edition of Dunks and Dimes podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Funston. And back again with me, as always, is my uh, cornerstone piece here of this duo. And that's Eric Wong. Eric, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. What's up, Brandon? Uh, I'm, I'm doing well as well. Uh, it's nice to actually get some actual real NBA games to be talking about today. Last week was our debut and we, uh, we kind of did our final preview of the last draft weekend and uh and so here we are we're going to be talking about some real games but first let me quickly tell you that uh you can find me on twitter at brandon fun so you can find eric on twitter at roto evil and be sure to check out the rotoevil.com website eric has a fantastic draft guide and uh you know it's kind of a essential piece if you want to be you know a a successful fantasy player in a competitive fantasy league. And of course, Eric is on the athletic as well. We are blessed to have all this stuff. He just came out with a most commonly owned players piece. Uh, Eric's done 30 drafts. Um, you, you doing all right, man. He, you, you feel like you're ready to handle 30 leagues going into this season. Well, I'd say, uh, Maybe a dozen of them are <laughs> draft only. So there's no, you know, you draft your like 20 or 25 man roster and then there's no pickups to worry about. So it's really just setting your lineup every Monday. And uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't be able to do 30 leagues where you actually have to make pickups. That's a little too much. Yeah, that's tough. I think in, in football, I've done like 15 as as kind of like a high water mark, And that was a little bit overwhelming. But but it's good to it's good to go through the process just to, you know before your before your big time leagues at least you know how things you know kind of sets the sets the stage for that and has you ready it's kind of repetition you know it's uh, good practice exactly get a feel for where guys are going we uh, I should mention that at the athletic you go to athletic dot com slash dunks and dimes to get forty percent off a subscription to the athletic and that will also allow you to check out our other NBA pods including. No dunks, back-to-back hoops adjacent with David Aldridge and the Daily Ding. So lots of good basketball podcasts out there. We are going to be fantasy-specific, and I'm assuming if you're listening, that's what you are you know, hoping to hear, and we're going to dive right into that. I just mentioned that Eric had 30 leagues. Uh, I mentioned that he has a 
column out on The Athletic just came out today with all the 18 most commonly owned players that Eric had has drafted over those 30 leagues and why he likes those guys. And so we're going to dive into that. But first, we have some kind of big news that we should probably hit uh, on the top here. And we'll start with DeAndre Ayton, who is out for 25 games for testing positive for a diuretic. Uh, Eric, what's your... What's kind of your take on this? I, I know, you know, a diuretic is, it's, <laughs> I guess it simply increases the volume of urine, um, but has been used by people to mask other substances. So I guess that's why it's uh, on the banned substance list. Uh, so Aiton's out for 25 games. Your thoughts on that and how this might affect the rest of uh, Sun's roster there? Right. I believe the players union has already appealed to try and reduce the number of games. But considering Wilson Chandler uh, was suspended earlier for the same thing and also got the 25 game suspension, uh, it sounds like that's going to hold up. And it's it's pretty shocking just because all of the previous uh, bans for uh, performance enhancing drugs have been in the NBA, at least to kind of lesser known players, backup type players, guys kind of trying to hang on to their careers. And so I haven't, I don't recall one, at least in recent times, of it being a young star, up-and-coming star, um, especially a big man who shouldn't really need any kind of performance-enhancing drugs. You feel like his body should kind of fill out naturally, and he's already a big, strong dude. And, uh, you know, he's definitely one of the Suns' most important pieces uh, besides Devin Booker. So it's a, it's a, it's a pretty big deal. Fantasy-wise, I figure um, they're probably going to, try and start Aaron Baines against teams at least with big centers but an interesting guy to watch is uh, Frank Kaminsky who can play both the four and the five you know a good shooter and uh, he played well in preseason but also I like it for Devin Booker he's going to get more shot attempts uh, you know Ricky Rubio and DeAndre Ayton pick and roll maybe was going to reduce some of Booker's touches but Booker should go back to being a uh, you know, definite number one option on offense. And it means more minutes for Kelly Oubre, Dario Saric, and Michael Bridges as well. Yeah, and I, I edit all your pieces on The Athletic, so I, I, I seem to recall you you felt pretty highly about Aiton this year. How much exposure did, did you end up having to him uh, prior to this uh, suspension? Right, I checked and I only drafted him in two leagues. So, yeah, it's not too bad. Um, you know, I, I don't really... I don't really uh, you know, cheer or root when uh, bad stuff happens to guys that I didn't draft. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it's unfortunate, but I am thankful that I didn't target him uh, more frequently. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't really, I don't hope for bad things, uh, especially from guys that are really good talents. Cause I always like, I always like, you know, to have the best talents out there. So uh, it's a bummer that he's going to be out for, gosh, was that like almost uh 30% of the season. Uh, it's going to be a big hit there, but uh, you mentioned some of the guys that could take advantage of that. Another guy that's out for maybe less nefarious reasons is uh, Marvin Bagley. Sacramento's out four to six weeks with the fractured thumb. Um, you have some of the guys that, you know, this could help. Uh, Bialika Bogdan Bogdanovich, who, you know, maybe this is a good springboard to use uh, to, to talk about your most commonly owned players. Uh, he's maybe someone that's going to get, uh, you know, a boost in fantasy because of this injury. Why don't you tell me how you feel about Bagley being out? Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, the you know, Bagley is a big man. And so, 
people are going to immediately assume that a big man is going to step in and fill those shoes. But Bagley is also a versatile power forward. So, you know, Deadman might play a little more. Rashawn Holmes is definitely going to get a slight boost, but I don't think he's a high-minute player. So I think more likely is Bielitsa, uh he stepped up. He started a bunch of game while, games while Bagley was out last year, and he played very well. You know, he can he can spread the floor. Um, and I, I would think Harrison Barnes spends more minutes at the four. That should boost his value. And then Bogdanovich and Ariza, they'll kind of get – more minutes filling in as Sacramento doesn't necessarily need to play two big guys at the same time. They can kind of play more of their wings. And uh, I I was a little concerned uh, after drafting Bogdan Bogdanovich so many times and he shot one for 10 in the season opener, which was not uh, what I was hoping for. Did not get quite the minutes uh, I was expecting. I think he got 22 minutes. I, I was kind of expecting him to get 28 minutes. But the Bagley injury definitely opens up the door for him to to get those those minutes that I was expecting now, and uh, he, sh- he should hopefully get settled in. Uh, I'm hoping he did. He is one of the guys that did not get a contract extension, and I'm hoping that f- helps him rather than hurts him because sometimes that can kind of uh, affect their mental state when they don't get that extension they were hoping for. Yeah, let's hope it does. That wasn't part of why he shot one for ten, but at least he wasn't Mike Conley bad uh, in the opener. So uh, there is that. But I just, I'm just curious, where were you at on Sacramento this year? Did you think that they had a chance at the playoff spot, or are you thinking this was going to be another kind of struggling year for them? Oh, I think they're definitely going to contend. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put uh, money on them making it, but I think they're definitely going to contend and maybe finish. Uh, Possibly eighth, but maybe more likely ninth or tenth. They're definitely going to be more competitive. Their young guys have another year of experience. They brought in proven veterans like Trevor Ariza, Corey Joseph. So they're definitely going to be deeper and more uh, more competitive this year, I believe. Yeah, maybe they give their neighbors to the south a little run for their money this year. The Warriors looked a little rough in their opener. Um, but we'll get to that maybe a little bit later. Let's, let's you know continue on with the Bogdanovich talk as, as he's one of the guys that you own and uh, most commonly across uh, your fantasy basketball universe. But the guy that you own the most got off to a nice start, Pascal Siakam with the, with the Raptors. And actually you have a lot of Fred Van Vliet as well. Two guys that put in 34 points in the opening night. You gotta be feeling pretty good about that, huh? Yeah, that, that was a really fun game to watch. And you know, of course it went into overtime so they got some extra minutes but uh i wasn't sure if van vliet was gonna start being the starting lineup to start the season or not but we knew that he was going to play major minutes regardless that he'd be on the floor at the end of games and his usage rate was through the roof he's playing with so much confidence after how he played in the nba finals and so it's looking like a a big breakout year for him and siakam uh you know i drafted in almost half my leagues he was my favorite target, especially if he fell past like pick 25, and then he kind of started moving up a little bit higher and higher, perhaps because, you know, people could see that I was targeting him, and we talked about him on last week's podcast, but I'm definitely pleased that he was my uh, most drafted player. Yeah, something I noted from your column about Van Vliet, you you know, you would think... um given where he was drafted and what he did in the opener with the 34 points and the seven assists and the five threes, you're actually saying he's not necessarily a sell high candidate. Like, you know, fantasy owners shouldn't just immediately run out and see what they can, 
than get for him unless you're getting considerably more value than what you paid for him on draft day. Is that fair? Right, right. It seemed like he was getting picked um, at least early on in preseason. He was getting picked in the in the 90 to 100 range in my drafts. And then I think you saw teams starting to get more aggressive. And that's what that's what I decided to do was like, okay, if you actually want Van Vliet, you have to pick him closer to number 80 as opposed to trying to try and get him at, you know, around number 100. So I, I started picking him in like the early 80s. But based on that that first game, if you're going to try and sell high, you should be demanding a top 60 player in return because he has that kind of ability. Um, and if you're going to sell high, you may as well you know, try and get a really good player or just hang on to him and reap the benefits. Absolutely. It's not selling high if you don't actually get more for it than you, you know, right, right. Than you paid for him. So uh, on the other side of that game, you mentioned went into overtime, uh, New Orleans, we did not get to see Zion Williamson's uh, regular season debut, but because of that injury, uh, you, you pivoted to Brandon Ingram as a guy that you wanted to really target as a, somebody that is a potential breakout player and the Williamson injury maybe opened up even more opportunity for him. I'm talking about Brandon Ingram had a nice start in that game, 22 points, Five rebounds, five assists, one steal, two blocks. So he did a bunch of everything, and you're you're pretty much pot committed on him as well, right? It was kind of twofold. At first, I wasn't drafting him, but then you know the Zion the Zion news came out. At first, it was you know he was going to get his uh, get checked out, and then later the news came out of how much time he was going to miss. But also at the same time, I was kind of looking at Ingram's preseason stats and noticed how well he was shooting the ball from the free throw line, which is huge for him. Uh, he got to the line, I believe, around five times per game last year, and he likes to attack the basket and is good at drawing fouls. And so if he can shoot even even over 75%, because he was under 70% last year, but if he can even shoot 80%, which is what he shot in preseason, and he was four for four in the season opener, that would be that would be huge for his value. Uh, you know, there's such a big difference between 80% and 70% from the line in terms of fantasy. Yeah, that's that's often the fly in the ointment with so many good players is the fact that they just, you know, don't hit well from the charity stripe. So um, definitely the preseason and and coming into the regular season with that with that up is is encouraging going forward. Ingram's always been one of those guys that just he looks apart, you know, and uh, and, you know, so maybe just the change of scenery getting out of L.A. is going to be good for him. Certainly off to a good start. Another guy off to a good start and uh, actually two guys, teammates, Karis Levert and Torian Prince in Brooklyn. Uh, I'm annoyed because I, I, you know, I followed your kind of rankings and I, I, got, I have a fantasy team with I share with Michael Beller and we have Torian Prince in a weekly in a weekly head-to-head where you can't change lineups during the week, and Prince is on our bench, and I got guys like Mikal Bridges and Marcus Smart in the lineup, but I'm sort of annoyed that we don't have Torian Prince <laughs> oh, no. in the lineup. And yeah, so got off to a good start with 15 points, 11 rebounds, uh, some other nice numbers. You were high on him as a sleeper, and same with Levert. And um, one thing I noticed, and we'll probably use this as a springboard to talk about this, is Every net starter played 36 plus minutes, including the two guys I just mentioned. Why don't you talk about why you like these guys? And then maybe we'll talk about this Nets team and if that's going to be something we can expect going forward, just this ridiculous, you know, uh, amount of minutes from these starters. Right. That's huge. It seemed like a lot of players across all teams played uh, 36 plus minutes or maybe a bit, a bit more uh, minutes than I expected, considering I think. 
I talked about this in one of my articles that I think last year only maybe five or six guys averaged 36 plus minutes per game. So I think maybe as the season wears on, you'll see those minutes start to come down, kind of playing their their bigger guys more in the season opener makes sense. But definitely Prince and Levert are uh, huge pieces to Brooklyn, what they're trying to do, very versatile players, uh, play at a pretty fast pace, uh, good efficient offense, and so they're they're definitely good fantasy targets. Prince is a guy that you know, he burned he burned a lot of people last season because he was a top I think he was a you know top 40, 50 pick in most leagues because of how, how he ended the season before. And uh, you know, he definitely didn't have a great season, dealt with some injuries, didn't shoot the ball uh, as well, didn't get the usage that people were hoping for. And uh, you know, people tend to stay away from those players that burned them the year before. And uh but you know, it's a fresh start, a new team. New coach uh, who, you know, has a connection to Mike Budenholzer, who Prince uh, played very well for the year before. And uh, he looks like he's going to be one of the best value picks right now, considering he fell past pick number 100 in almost every draft I saw. And Lavert yeah. is basically, you know, the, the guaranteed uh, number two scorer behind Kyrie. And he's going to get plenty of shot attempts and he'll be able to play, uh, play off Kyrie very well. Kyrie, man, went off 50. Um, you uh, kicking yourself a little bit. I, I think I heard that you are wishing you maybe were a little bit more invested in him this season. Right, right. Uh, you know, it's a tricky <laughs> I, at I the end of the a pretty common feeling, I think, when someone goes off for 50 in their opener. Right. At the end of the first round, you have so many good choices. And it's like, uh, you know, kind of, you know, I say it's personal preference when guys are ranked so closely. And, you know, Kyrie's not one of my favorite guys in the league, so I tended to shy away. But for fantasy purposes, he definitely is in a good situation. Yeah. Uh, one guy that you didn't shy away from and was definitely on your sleeper list, and you have to be feeling good about it right now, is Dom Sabonis. Uh, great star. And I, I know in your write-up you talked about there's maybe a little bit of uncertainty with his minutes, so you have to like the 35 minutes to go along with uh, – you know, double-digit rebounds and 27 points in the opener. Oh yeah, he was huge. Um, you know, one of the one of the things people like to focus on for big guys is how many blocks they're going to get and how well they shoot from the free throw line, and that's why people are so infatuated with Miles Turner, right? Um, but if you gave me the option of taking Miles Turner at pick 25 or Sabonis at pick 75, I'm going to take Sabonis every time. And, uh, you know, I just believe there's better value there. He's the superior rebounder. He's the more well-rounded offensive player. And sure, he doesn't get that many blocks, but he's still a decent shooter from the free throw line and should be well over 50% from the field. So I just like the value and I just like watching Sabonis play. Yeah, I liked watching his dad play. That was one of the best passing big men's I've ever seen oh, yeah. play the game. Uh, Vitas so, was awesome. Uh, definitely uh, a little bit of a chip off the old block for sure. Um, really quickly, let's talk about one more guy in your commonly owned guys and maybe talk about uh, you know, just your thoughts on, on the uh, NBA season opener in general, the battle in L.A. But you own a lot of Kawhi. Got to be feeling good about his 30-point night. Uh, just talk quickly about your thoughts on him, but also what you saw in that L.A. game on both sides with the LeBron and Anthony Davis uh, you know, Lakers this year and what your thoughts are on them. Sure, sure. So, I mean, this is related to Kyrie Irving, right? Because 
most people, if they were picking, let's say, 9, 10, 11, had the option of choosing Kyrie or Kawhi. And I went with Kawhi. He's the more more uh, efficient fantasy player, right? He shoots uh, you know, close to 50% or above, and he does a little bit more defensively. Uh, I was very impressed in that first game. He basically looked like he was in MVP form. You know, he didn't, you know, skip a beat since the NBA Finals. He appeared in top form. And I think that's the version we're going to see of him, at least to start the season, knowing that Paul George is out for an extended period. And so that's that's kind of one of the reasons why I liked him was he, he was going to start the season 100% healthy, which he was not to start last season. And he kind of knew that he would have to carry the Clippers on his back until uh, Paul George returned. Yeah, I mean, the Clippers are looking good. And that was without Paul George, as you mentioned. Uh, and that's a, that's a pretty deep team. Kawhi could be looking at uh, potential. I guess you'd think they're the odds on favorite right now uh, to win the finals. Oh, guaranteed. I mean, that was kind of the consensus, or at least the way I felt heading into the season. And then after watching them take out the Lakers without Paul George, after watching them dismantle the Warriors last night. Uh, yeah, they're so deep. They're so good defensively. Patrick Beverly is such a pest. They have they have those gritty guys that Doc Rivers likes. Uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of shocked that they're starting Patrick Patterson at power forward. I thought Jamichael Green, um, and I still think Jamichael Green's the better player. But both of those guys are very gritty defensive players, not afraid to do the dirty work, and they can spread the floor by with their shooting. And then you have just versatile defenders like Mo Harkless and Landry Shamit on the outside who you know doesn't care if he's not getting a bunch of shots and so it's just an unselfish team that is physical and they're going to be a very tough team to beat this year yeah well a team that maybe won't be nearly as tough to beat this year and probably not in the conversation for finals favorites is uh is charlotte um, but I want to use Charlotte as a, a place to start. Talk about some of the guys that jumped out in terms of maybe a surprise in the minutes that they logged and in, in, the, in the production that followed with them. So two guys on Charlotte that I think we should talk about off the top, PJ Washington and Dwayne Bacon. And I know you probably are fairly well invested in Dwayne Bacon. I know he was one of your uh, kind of favorite last round or later round picks. And PJ Washington is someone that's kind of like continued to emerge as the preseason went along. So out of the gate, uh, both guys in the mid thirties in, in minutes, uh, PJ Washington was just, just draining from downtown in this game and had 27 points. Uh, not a lot to go with it. You got to steal in a block and Dwayne Bacon also with 22 points on 21 field goal attempts. So not shy about shooting the ball uh, thoughts on these guys uh, and how you feel about them going forward. Right. Well, one, you know, one good thing to like about these young Charlotte players is that they know they're not going to make the playoffs. So they may as well play their young guys, develop them, I kind of wish PJ Washington hadn't played so well in preseason because he probably would have gone undrafted in most leagues. I was kind of planning ahead of time before preseason started to not draft PJ Washington, but be ready to add him later on in the season. And then he just played so well in preseason. He earned his minutes. He earned the starting spot. And then, of course, in the season opener, Nick Batum gets hurt. And I believe he's supposed to miss like three to four weeks. And so... 
P.J. Washington played 38 minutes in the season opener, and it looks like that may continue for the foreseeable future with Batum out. And so he's huge. Um, one of the things I like about him, if you watched his highlights, you know, when he makes his threes, he's not celebrating, going crazy. He's just like, this is what I do, and uh, he's he's ready to play right now. So if he's available in your league, you better you better grab him immediately. I'm assuming he got picked up in all leagues after that game. Let me jump in really quickly on PJ before we talk about Bacon. What's his upside category-wise uh, other than as a scorer and three-point, uh, you know, deliverer, deliverer of, of trays? What is there – I mean, he had a steal and a block, you know, but rebound, a sit. Like, is there more – do you think there's more to him than just kind of a three-point scoring kind of guy? Right. He's, uh, he's a very uh, heady player. He's an unselfish player. One of the reasons why I wasn't quite sure to say, oh, yeah, this guy's a good target, you know, around pick number 120 or something is because his college stats don't jump off, don't jump, jump off the page at you. They're not too impressive, but uh, he's he's a great goo guy. He knows what he's doing, uh, unselfish, uh, makes the right passes and stuff. So I'm not sure if he's going to be super active uh, defense with the defensive stats or anything like that, but just with his in terms of the the usage, the minutes, and uh, how much how much Charlotte's going to rely on him since they don't have you know too many talented players, it seems like he might even be more valuable than uh, Miles Bridges, who is more athletic and maybe has more future upside. But it seems like PJ Washington is the the more well rounded player right now. Yeah, I mean, if he continues to play this much and he continues to shoot this way, I you know you can live probably with a little bit of a downside of of the defensive side numbers but he did pick up a steal and a block so if he can continue to do that on a fairly regular basis i'm sure uh that'll work out nicely so uh all right why don't you go ahead and uh give me your your spiel on Dwayne bacon what what you're seeing so far you got to be happy with the 22 points uh, i got a couple steals so uh go ahead and give me your take on bacon Right, well, 22 points on 21 field goal attempts is not very efficient, but the takeaway there is that he simply was allowed to take 21 shot attempts, and so Charlotte doesn't mind him uh, being one of their top top offensive weapons, and so that's that's very encouraging if you drafted Bacon, and he's probably another guy that if he is available in your league, you would want to add him right now um, with Batum going out. And, you know, the threat to his minutes are basically Malik Monk, but Monk uh, didn't play that many minutes in the opener, and he still has not won over the coaching staff. And he just, you know, doesn't have the size defensively and maybe isn't isn't putting in the effort needed in practice or something, but the coaching staff has not been impressed with Malik Monk. So until then, it's it's all Dwayne Bacon at shooting guard, and he should continue to at least score points, get some steals, you know, maybe get to the free throw line a lot and shoot a decent percentage there. Is he so? If you're looking at him now, like in a 12 team league, if he's someone that goes through a few bad games, is he kind of like a, you know, back end of your roster? You'd be willing to cut him loose if he doesn't continually, like, you know, stay consistent. Is or, or do you think he's a guy at this point that you just want to hold on to? You're looking to cut somebody else, right? I would say. In um, 156 player deep leagues, so 12 teams times 13 man rosters, which is kind of a default for some 
for some leagues. You can afford to be a little more aggressive. If you're not liking what you're seeing from Bacon, I'd say, you know, there there are probably some, some good players that you could replace him with, so feel free to do that. But any deeper than that, I would say you would want to hold on to him and through any shooting slumps or anything like that. Um, you bring that up as there might be some better options. I wonder there's another guard in Miami that's kind of come out of nowhere. And I have another league. I, I'm co-opting with like two fantasy basketball leagues. Kind of weird. I'm not used to being a co-owner, but I happen to be with uh, a former colleague of mine, Brad Evans. And he's, he's a university of uh, <laughs> Illinois graduate. And there's a guy, Kendrick Nunn, who's sort of exploded in Miami. He had a huge preseason final preseason game. And then, parlayed that into 24 points in the opener in 27 minutes for the heat. And Evans is ready in a 12 team league to spend like $14 on in, of fab money on this guy. And I'm like, that might be a little bit rich. It may not, you know, I don't know what this guy's long-term potential is. So I'd throw that out to you. Kendrick Nunn um, went to the university of Illinois and then ended up transferring over to Oakland. Um, what are your thoughts on this guy? Is he, is he for real? Do we know? <laughs> Well, so the $14, is that based on a $100 budget or a $1,000 yep. budget? $100 budget. Oh, that, that's probably a little <laughs> crazy, pricey, right? That's crazy. <laughs> we just spent, we just spent uh, uh, five bucks right before the season on Alexander Walker. Nick, Nick okay. Alexander Walker. Okay. So I just kind of felt like maybe, you know, a few bucks, like three, four bucks. I just don't know that this guy has the staying power to kind of uh, warrant $14. Right. Yeah. So that, that would put you at a um, 20% of your budget a week into the season is maybe a little too aggressive. Yeah. Uh, but I have been impressed with none and maybe I was sleeping on this kid because he's very explosive, uh, very shifty. I like that. He's a lefty. Uh, Miami seems to prefer lefties. You got justice Winslow, uh, Dragic, Chris Bosch previously, and they've had several other lefties. Maybe Pat Riley likes those type of players. But uh, Nunn is very explosive, athletic. My question marks were for him are his three-point shooting. Last year in the G League, he shot just 33% from deep. I think he was one for two in the season opener. Uh, and then also how much of a playmaker is he? I don't think he's definitely not a true point guard. He averaged just uh, 2.8 assists in the G League last year. Um, and you know, in the, in the opener, he had three assists, but 18 field goal attempts. So he's definitely a score first guard. And obviously he got extra minutes and usage because Jimmy Butler was out and Deion Waiters was out. But, uh, I mean, he, he definitely looks the part of a NBA rotation player. And at the very least, um, maybe he's ready to steal Deion Waiters minutes. Um, and Miami surely likes, uh, what he, what he's given them. So I expect him to stay in the rotation. I'm not sure if he's going to be a reliable fantasy producer from game to game. But at least until Jimmy Butler comes back, you may as well um, ride the hot hand. Yeah, what is – do you have a, Do you have an idea on Jimmy Butler's status, like wh- when we can expect him back? I have not heard anything. I believe uh, Eric Spolster just said it's not anything serious. So I, I assume it's not a long-term absence. But, uh, you know, when it's personal reasons, you never know. So I don't want to speculate on that. I haven't heard anything much more than that. Yeah, certainly that'll infringe on Nunn's playing time when he does return. Um, In New York, nobody's infringing on Marcus Morris's playing time. He had 39 minutes in the opener for the Knicks. Uh, 
this guy's been around for a while. Um, are we, I mean, he's always been a solid, you know, mid teens scorer. uh, hit can hit you know one and a half threes and do a little bit of everything but he's i think he's 30 years old now is there a reason to think that he can be anything more than what we know marcus morris is over the last five six years right it's uh it's tough to tell with david fisdale what he's going to do with his rotations and everything he definitely has taken a liking to marcus morris i think uh you know morris plays with that toughness the intensity on defense that uh Fisdale is looking for and wants to rub off on the younger players but it's tough to see him playing 36 minutes throughout the entire season because at some point the Knicks do need to focus on the younger players they can't just give up on Kevin Knox uh at such a young age right so they need do need to increase his minutes as the season goes on and some of their other younger guys uh but until then you know, as long as Morris is playing 35 plus minutes a game, he's worth owning. And, uh, you know, he seems healthy right now. So he, he's worth owning in most leagues right now. Yeah. Another guy who played 35 plus minutes in the opener, uh, OG Ananobi, um, you know, we talk about Kawhi leaving a big hole in that, uh, Toronto, uh, roster and guys are going to have to step up and, Siakam was one that we, you know, you circled and are highly invested in, but I think you got a fair amount of OG as well. Yeah, he was, he was impressive in that opener. And I think he's going to become their kind of a defensive stopper. Now that Kawhi is gone, you know, especially with, you know, Siakam is a good defensive player, but he's so focused on, on offense now that uh, they need a defensive stopper. And I think OG is that guy he can defend probably one through five. And uh, that's going to keep him on the floor. Uh, his offense will depend game from the game. He needs to show that he can hit threes consistently. Teams are probably going to leave him open. And so fantasy wise, he may not score a bunch of points, but the rebound should be there. The, he should get some steals and blocks to contribute. He's not, I wouldn't say he's a must own player, but he's definitely a guy with, with some value that should be watched closely in deeper leagues. Yeah. And in terms of, First names like I think OG is maybe the coolest in in all of sports. <laughs> like I've been called an OG of fantasy, but like to actually have that as your, as your first <laughs> name is it's pretty sweet. So I like that. I would I'd be willing to ride with him on my roster just for that reason alone. Uh, well, anyway. well, maybe you could maybe you could change your middle name, Brandon. I yeah, I guess I can change any part of my name. It's I, it's, my, it's my legal right, right? Uh, all right, let's move on. So I want to quickly talk about a few more guys that uh, had some good, decent first uh, first game minutes. They're all point guards, so maybe rank these guys in your interest and intrigue in in them. So we have the rookie rookie in Cleveland, Darius Garland, uh, former number one overall pick in Orlando, now Markel Fultz who showed a little something with uh, 23 minutes, 12 points, six assists, two steals, and uh, magic players and, and coaches were raving about how he looked in his first game. So maybe time, time he can start tapping into that talent that made him the number one overall pick. So you have Fultz, you have Garland, and then Kobe White, number one pick this year out of North Carolina, point guard, went to Chicago. He played 27 minutes in the opener, had 17 points. Why don't you, get, why don't you rank these guys for me in, in, your, in terms of your interest level? I think I'm going to rank them Garland 1, Fultz 2, Kobe White 3. I was not exactly expecting Darius Garland to start the season opener. He didn't play a ton in preseason, wasn't that impressive in preseason. 
I expected him to start the season coming off the bench and then eventually earn a starting job. So the fact that he started and played 32 minutes in the season opener was pretty surprising. And he only scored eight points, but he did have five assists. And I think that's that's a guy that you would want to own right now and hang on to just because he's already starting and playing that many minutes and then his usage will continue to ramp up as the season goes on with the Cavs not having too many other options or you know too many uh, pieces for the future they need to develop him as quickly as possible so I would say Garland is number one I put Fultz at number two because he is still coming off the bench played 23 minutes but was very effective 12 points, six assists, two steals in the opener. And he does give um, Orlando a different dimension, um, kind of as a... He's so good in transition with his athleticism, his speed. He can be a one-man fast break. And he he kind of uh, helps them pick up the pace, right? Because they do have other athletes on that team. Jonathan Isaac, Aaron Gordon, Mo Bamba when he's coming off the bench alongside Fultz. So I do like him, especially if you're looking for some cheap steals, Steals and assists, Fultz should be good. Kobe White uh, was was quite impressive. You know, he scored 17 points in the in the opener in 27 minutes, but we kind of know that he can score, and he's not afraid to jack up shots. He put up a, a ridiculous number of shots in preseason, but what surprised me was the seven assists to one turnover in the season opener. I didn't expect him to be. Uh, that good of a playmaker, and I'm still not sold on that aspect of his game, which is why I'm putting him third. But definitely a great start to his career, and a guy that Chicago uh, must be encouraged about uh, moving forward. One other guy that we have on the list of uh, you know big minutes was Luke Kennard in Detroit. He had thirty, he had thirty points and six three pointers in 28 minutes. And I won't, uh, we won't dive into too much about him. You, you mentioned that while Blake, Blake Griffin's out, he's a good ad. So if he's out there and you need, you need long distance shooting and some scoring Kennard can add that, but I want to talk about his teammate. Cause we're going to go to the flip side guys that were kind of like a little bit disappointed in maybe the minutes are down or the production was down in the first game and his teammate, Reggie Jackson, uh, point guard, he left Thursday's game with back tightness. He's only averaged 17 and a half minutes through the first two games, only five points, four assists. So, you know, it may be in a shallower league and you you had Reggie Jackson. I guess some of these other guys we've talked about, you're basically saying it might be time to look to cut uh, cut Jackson loose, kick him to the curb and, and go with one of these other guys. <laughs> oh yeah. Kick him, <laughs> kick him to the curb. Sounds a little kick harsh, but that, that may, that may be uh, what you have to do. I was, I was trying to be optimistic for Reggie cause, cause he did play well in last year's playoffs, but the fact that he's already dealing with injuries and Derek Rose has, has looked good early on. You probably just want to move off Jackson if there's some decent options available. Yeah. Another guy that's been a veteran who kind of is in the same boat, but a big man, uh, DeAndre Jordan, just had 17 minutes off the bench. They went uh, heavy with Jared Allen at center. He had 36 minutes, nine rebounds and five blocks. You're going to expect to see this continue with Jordan kind of just, you know, around 20 or less minutes each game with Allen running the show there in the pivot. Right, that's another situation where I thought Jordan would start the season as the starting center and then Allen would eventually take over that job. So that's that's another situation where that's not good for Jordan that he's already coming off the bench and only playing that many minutes. And Allen, Allen looks great in the opener, five blocks, 
And he's, of course, the younger player, the more athletic player, the better rim protector, the better, you know, shooter. So that's probably that's probably Allen's Allen's job right now. And Jordan is just kind of getting scraps. I'm sure he's still going to be productive some games, but he's not going to be what the players who drafted him were hoping for. And so if there's if there's some decent centers out there to replace him with, you might want to consider doing that. Yeah, and Jackson and Jordan, a couple OGs, have been around the league for a while. But uh, one more guy I want to throw out there, DeLon Wright in Dallas, a younger guy. He he closed last year with like a handful of triple doubles. And I'm in a league, it's called the League of Leagues, where we, we, we play year-round in all three of the major sports, baseball, basketball, and football. And we have this big draft. It's like 60 rounds every year where you, know, you can draft any sport you want at any time. You just fill out your roster uh, across those 60 rounds. And, and I got snaked on DeLon Wright like in round 58 or something like that. I was so (laughs) mad. Um, So I'm feeling a little bit better about his first. I'm actually not rooting for him now. Uh, And he kind of had a disappointing first game, just 21 minutes, five points. But uh, you know, what were you thinking as far as the carryover from last year at the end of the year, how he finished? Did you think that was something that he could have carried into this year? Or was that something you saw as maybe problematic for continuation? Right. Uh, he, his usage rate was so high at the end of the year playing for Memphis just because they didn't have many of their guys. I think Jaron Jackson Jr. had already been ruled out due to injury. And so the Grizzlies were just giving the ball, letting him do his thing. And obviously on the Mavericks, it's a different story. One of the reasons why I kind of shied away from him is because they have other options. right? I think Jalen Brunson is a very underrated young guard. Seth Curry kind of needs minutes because of his shooting off the bench. And obviously, Luka is going to play as much as as he can handle. And, uh, you know, one of the problems with DeLon now is that the ball is simply not going to be in his hands as much, whereas he closed out last season with the ball in his hands like so much for the Grizzlies. And uh, he only had two shot attempts in the opener. And he's still going to contribute with some rebounds and steals and a few assists. But uh, he's not going to score that many points in Dallas unless, you know, some injuries happen. And 21 minutes definitely is not what people who drafted him were hoping for. So that you should definitely be concerned. I would give him one more game before dropping him. But if he doesn't, if those minutes don't go up and his usage doesn't go up a little bit in the next game, I would be looking to replace him too. We talked about two point guards here, Reggie Jackson and DeLon Wright. Like if, who would you who would you rather have if you're considering dropping either of these guys as a decision which one would you which one would I, I would keep, I would keep Delon over Reggie just cuz he he does do a little bit more consistently with the uh defensive stats but uh yeah you probably want to look for better options on both of those guys Okay, one of those better options might be Thomas Sadaransky uh, in Chicago, although he got off to a rough start. You threw in uh, Sadaransky and, and Jalen Brown as two guys you also want to talk about as getting off to rough starts. So I will tee you up on both of those guys quickly, and then I want to I want to hit on some defensive discussion before we wrap this thing up. So go ahead and give me some Sadaransky and, and Jalen Brown takes here. Right, Sadaransky played only 24 minutes. In the opener, which was disappointing, I did draft him a few times, um, and I think I think he'll be fine. He uh, he is vital to Chicago offensively in terms of keeping the ball moving, 
He's a very unselfish player, does all of the little things to help his team win. Uh, Chris Dunn played more than I expected in the season opener, and he will he will get minutes due to his defense, but I think uh, eventually Sadoransky will kind of wrestle more of those minutes away just because he's such a steady offensive presence, and Chicago, you know, young team, they kind of need that. Jalen Brown only played 21 minutes due to foul trouble, but I am expecting a bigger year from him, and uh, he's he's a guy that I would hang on to. If he's on your team, I would not drop him just based on that one game. Yeah, that guy's a that guy's a baller. He can get to the rack uh, very well. I just, um, but back to the Bulls. You mentioned they're a young team, and that's kind of a, a good jump into our defensive talk because they gave 126 points in their opener. They allowed a shooting percentage of 51. percent uh, They were one of the worst defenses uh, out of the gates so far. And this is a big thing in fantasy football. You you're always looking at the, what the defenses are allowing. And I guess the same thing applies in fantasy basketball, right? You, especially when you have uh, daily moves and you can adjust your lineup and look at similar players. Sometimes it might come down to who they are facing. So why don't we talk about who you think some of the most exploitable matchups are to go against for your fantasy players. I know Chicago has got to be there. And what do you, what do you think about golden state? They giving up 141 in their uh in their first outing. Right. I do think the the opponent is a big thing to factor in, but it's easy uh to to forget about it. it so it's something that you know even I was kind of uh you know it's so easy to focus on the points, the numbers, the stats. And uh the legendary Hubie Brown brought up this point uh during the during the Celtics 76ers game. The ESPN showed a graphic comparing Kyrie's 50-point debut for the Nets versus Kemba's game for the Celtics, and he was struggling. And uh, Hubie brought up the great point of Minnesota, who Brooklyn was going against, being a much more easier defense to go against compared to Philadelphia. And uh, it was kind of a great reminder for me that, you know, you do need to look at the teams they're going against. And... uh, Minnesota is a team that uh, is probably going to play at a fast pace. So, like, lots of these teams, these younger, more athletic teams, right, are going to be trying to play at a faster pace, use their youth and athleticism to their advantage. So I'd say the Bulls are one of those teams, the Kings, the Knicks, the Grizzlies, um, and the Rockets like to play at a fast pace too, kind of play that helter-skelter game, get the transition threes, right? And same for Brooklyn. And so all of these teams are going to be favorable opponents to face um you know a faster pace more possessions more points uh so those those are teams you're going to want to start your guys against the warriors gave up a ton of points but uh it's tough to say the clippers are such a good team and i do think when willie collie stein comes back the warriors defense is going to improve right now especially in the in in the middle uh kavon looney didn't play much because they wanted to limit his minutes after missing uh, preseason. Yeah, what did he have? Like nine rebounds in ten minutes or something, though. It was something it was insane. He like the only thing he did was rebound the ball, but he was almost getting one per minute. It was kind of crazy. Right, but right now the Warriors' defense is very vulnerable, especially on the interior. Like I said, but I do think they'll improve a little bit as the season goes on and not give up 140 points most nights. <laughs> I want to talk about the Warriors just really quickly um, because obviously they're sort of a fascination with a lot of people given how, you know, 
Durant's gone. Clay Thompson's out. It's a whole different world. They got D'Angelo Russell in there. Maybe give me a quick take on them. But Eric Pascal, uh, I think he, he had a decent night. I think he had 14 points. I loved him at Villanova. I always thought he was uh, somebody that could play at this level. Is is that something where when Willie Cauley-Stein comes back, we can see his minutes get uh, impeded a bit? Oh, it's tough to say. I I think he's encouraging. He definitely has an NBA body, right? And he he played a few years in college, so he is one of the older rookies, which is, which is good for uh, him being able to contribute right away. And uh, I read that, you know, they might be playing him at the three, even starting him at small forward some games because of his, his defensive uh, versatility. So he might be able to hang on to those minutes if he plays well. And it's just a tricky situation for the Warriors because they have so many new faces, so many young guys that they're hoping will step up. And it's kind of, uh, you know, learning on the go for those guys. So, uh, you know, it's they're they're not going to look great early on. And it's a. Uh, it, it's going to be hard to make the playoffs for them for sure, but you don't want to count them out, right? Right, exactly. All right, really quickly, let's let's go to the flip side, the, the, the teams that are just shut down defenses. You mentioned Philly. They might be the best of the best. I mean, I watched I watched a, a chunk of that Boston-Philly game, and they're just so long and athletic, and they added – Thibault has been like historically great college defenders coming in. I think he had two steals and two blocks in his first game, but – like they were already a good defensive team, and it looks like they may be even better. So if you're looking at like the teams that maybe strike a little bit of fear in you as in terms of your fantasy players going up against them, who are kind of the the short list of your top teams there? Right. The 76ers, without a doubt, are looking like one of the top defensive teams. You mentioned they're a good defensive team last year, and they kind of gave up some of their offense in losing JJ Redick to get even better defensively with Thibault, like you're saying, and Josh Richardson. And, I mean, those are the two guys that were mostly guarding Kemba. And, you know, they're long physical defenders, and they were definitely giving him some trouble. And, obviously, Al Horford is a very good defensive player. And so that that team is very long, athletic, physical, and uh, that's going to be a tough team for for guys to go against. Obviously, Utah Jazz have been one of the top defensive teams for a long time. Rudy Gobert holding it down in the middle. Um, And Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell on the perimeter. Royce O'Neal is now starting for them. He's a very good, versatile defender. Utah is going to be one of the top defensive teams. Obviously, the Bucs with Giannis holding it down. um, They're going to be a tough team to go against. Orlando Magic is kind of a... A sleeper, sneaky defensive team. Uh, Jonathan Isaac is a great young defender. You have uh, Fultz and Mo Bamba off the bench that are going to be very tough as far as like uh, causing turnovers with the steals and blocks. And I think uh, maybe they're going to play at a, a slower pace. Um, so they're going to be a tough team you don't don't want to go against. And then also the Lakers and Clippers. You know, the Clippers' uh, perimeter defense is, is is really scary with Beverly leading the way. And then when Paul George comes back with Kawhi, that team is going to be very tough. You might want to bench your guys most of the time against the Clippers. And then the Lakers with Anthony Davis in the middle and JaVale McGee uh, protecting the rim. Some good defenders in the, in the perimeter, Danny Green, Avery Bradley, etc. Those are teams that are you're not going to be good to go against for fantasy purposes. 
All right, there you go. So, fantasy owners, watch out for those defenses. Um, Eric, unless you have anything else you want to throw out there, I think that's that's a wrap for this week. Um, anything? Uh, any final thoughts? Yeah, the only thing I'd say is not to be uh, looking too hard at the standings. I know it's easy to overreact. And, you know, there's no no need to panic right now if you're at the bottom of the standings. Unless uh, you have, let's say, Kawhi Leonard and Andre Drummond on your team because the Clippers and Pistons are the only teams that have played two games so far. So if you have both those guys on your team and you're not in first place, that's a bad sign. But otherwise, don't worry about the standings right now. You know, things will even out. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure uh, it's going to be a fun season and uh, look forward to more of these podcasts. Absolutely. And yeah, and next week, you know, there'll be a few more games under everybody's belt. Things will start to normalize and we'll probably start doing uh, a lot more looking at the waiver wire, trying to help teams maybe uh, shuffle out some players and, in, and grab some new players that maybe have some upside or looking like they're trending in the right direction. So expect some more waiver wire looks. But, uh, you know, this is kind of the first instant reaction week, uh, first uh, first impressions kind of week. So that was good. I think we covered a lot and we'll plan to cover a lot more going forward. Eric, another uh, another great hour talking with you. Uh, again, you can catch me on Twitter at Brandon Funston. You can catch Eric uh, at Roto Evil, and of course, check out his website, rotoevil.com. Got, uh, and you can check out the athletic website uh, for a bunch of Eric stuff as well, uh, rankings and stuff. He has his most commonly owned players, 18 most commonly owned players that came out today, a bunch of other stuff from Eric. So be sure to check that out. And if you go to theathletic.com backslash dunks and dimes, you can get 40% off an athletic subscription. That also allows you to check out all of our other NBA podcasts, which are available on iTunes and Spotify. Uh, and if you like those, uh, always love to get a you know a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you are accessing them at. We always appreciate that. So thanks again for joining Eric and I on Dunks and Dimes. We hope to catch you again on, next week. Uh, until then, have a great Fantasy Hoops weekend, and we'll see you on the flip side.